Good evening, HB Journey Class. Got mixed up there. Hey, Jim Stovall here, coming to you live from the world headquarters of Heartland Baptist Fellowship. I don't know if you can recognize the picture behind me, but I'm actually in the Common Grounds room tonight. There was a, a, a meeting going on in the, uh, the library, so me and my production assistant, Sherry, uh, we uh, set up here. Just a second. She's telling me there's technical difficulty. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're good. I see Brian Parrott's on. Oh, we got some feedback. All right, sorry about that. All right, so first, uh, thanks for joining. I know we have a few people online, so I appreciate that. Uh, you may know by now that in the month of May, we have two services in the morning. We have a 9 o'clock service uh, in the sanctuary with Brian, and then uh, we have another one at 10.30. So um, the Journey class and some of the other ABFs are encouraged to go to the 9 o'clock service, uh, which has been really good. Brian was really good this morning, uh, which he's good all the time. But... Um, that means that there's no ABFs in the morning, so the ABFs have been meeting in the evening at 6 o'clock. Um, so I uh, appreciate you guys joining us here now. Let me read off a few announcements. I'm going to move my phone there. Uh, a few announcements we have. Well, first off, I hope everybody's doing okay. Um, it was cool to see everyone last week, seen a lot of people, seen some more people today. It's just good to see each other again. I, I miss seeing everybody. Uh, so that was really, it's been great that we're starting to have church again. Uh, so for some, for some announcements, Church on the Park is uh, going to happen. The Harrisonville Park and Rex, whoever o approved it. So we are going to have Church in the Park on June 7th, Sunday, June 7th, uh, at 10 o'clock. It's a little different time. It's not at 10.30. So at 10 o'clock... On that Sunday, June 7th, we'll see everybody at the park. Uh, I know Steve and I usually set up our tents uh, in the back together, so you're welcome to, to join us there. Second announcement. There's a Next Step class scheduled for June 14th, so make sure to sign up for that if you're interested in uh, joining the church or, or learning more about how the church got started. It's a really good class. Uh, Brian gives his uh, kind of the historical how background of how the church was started, so it's, it's a good class. Next announcement. We are going to have baptisms. It will also be on Sunday the 14th. So if you need to follow the Lord with uh, baptism, give the office a call. Next announcement. Uh, this is a good one. Uh, our first, mark this on your calendar as well, on June 14th, that will be the first Sunday morning where we will have a journey class in the library at 9 o'clock in the morning like we've always had. So that will be our first official uh, journey class reopening. So that will be fun. All right, next announcement. The How to Disciple class will be on Wednesday nights, and it starts on Wednesday, June 3rd, and it goes through the month of June and July. 
Announcement number six. HBI graduation, which uh, is near and dear to my heart because uh, my daughter Lauren is graduating. Uh, she's done her four years in the HBI school, and it'll be Sunday, June 28th at 6 p.m. So that'll be that'll be fun. The last announcement, Sunday, May 29th, which I think is Memorial Weekend. I don't know. It's the fifth Sunday, and we will have our Lord's Supper that morning at 10.30. There will not be a 9 o'clock service, so we'll just have a single service Sunday, May 29th, the Lord's Supper should be good. So, that's it for announcements. Um, let me flip around here. Lauren says thanks, Dad. Oh, my daughter's watching. That's cool. Yeah, she's graduating. So it's been been a long road. Uh, so those are the announcements. So for some logistics, uh, I've mentioned this before. We don't know who is watching. We know several people are. So I encourage you just to give us a hi, give us a wave, so we know who's who's out there listening to us. My production assistant is going to be taking notes if anyone has any questions or anything, so you can type it in the comments and she'll she'll give them to me. Uh, something else I was going to mention too. Steve has had some. Oh, somebody, Brian's waving at me. Uh, Pastor Steve has had some really good handouts uh, whenever he covered the disciples and, and he covered the the, ish, the history of Israel. Um, I did post those on Facebook, but I'm going to bring those handouts. I know now I'll have some on the on Sunday, May 4th, or June 14th when we get back together. So I'll, I'll be able to give out the handouts uh, from the classes that we've, we've done the live over. So, so that'll be good. So, with that, let's get rolling here. I'm going to try to wrap this up uh, pretty quick, hopefully by 7. Uh, let me cue over here. 7 or so. Okay, I did some announcements. We did live. There's our contact info. You guys know that. That's our Facebook for the church. You know that. So, without further ado... Time for some virtual candy bar bonus questions. Uh, Brian Parrott's on the line, right? Yeah. All right, so I have a feeling Brian's going to be winning some of these. Uh, the guy seems to be pretty sharp. He knows his Bible. Either that or he's, he's good at Googling on the, with the other hand. So anyway, we started this discipleship course or series back in March. Uh, one of the first things Steve uh, brought or taught us was what is a disciple? Uh, Matthew 16:24. I'm going to go ahead and give you that answer. It's followers of Christ. A, a disciple is a follower of Christ, and that's the series that we're going through now. And I love that quote that Steve gave us: "Not all believers are disciples, but all disciples are believers." And that that is so true. And I just that really resonated with me. I think that's a neat quote. All right, something I brought up a few weeks ago: HBF's Discipleship One course. How many lessons are in that course? If you think you know, put it in the comments. Steve brought us a lesson on May 3rd about the 12 disciples, and he focused on three of them that are, we call them the inner circle. It's the three disciples that Jesus often uh, pulled aside and did things with, like some, some certain miracles, or they went into someone's house and did something. They were three disciples. They're called the inner circle. Name those three disciples, and you will get a candy bar. 
Brian and Angie said there were 16 lessons. Oh, yeah, Brian and Angie already on it. Oh, Angie's she's gone. Angie Parrott? Mm-hmm. All right, good deal. Angie uh, Fleshman. Oh, Angie Fleshman. All right, good deal. All right, next question. Steve did another uh, good uh, lesson about the 12 disciples, and he pointed out that all of the 12 disciples died a violent death except for one. So name that disciple, and you will get a candy bar. Mm-hmm. Next question. This is, this is cool. Some people may not realize this. Steve brought this out in his chart on the handout. Uh, you may not have been able to see it on the, on the, on the Facebook post. The, the list of the 12 disciples are, are listed about four times. They are listed four times in our Bible. In, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Acts, the Lord gives us the list of the 12 disciples. And it's, uh, it's, it's neat to look at the way they're listed because every single time they're listed, one of the guys is always listed first. Who is that guy? Who is that disciple? And you will get a candy bar. Okay, Angie and Brian said John was the one that... Oh, okay, Angie and Brian, yeah, they're on it. They're, they're on fire. All right, the next question. On those lists, the four lists, one of the disciples is always listed last. So who is that guy? Put that in the comments. Yeah. All right. And then last week, Steve Steve gave us another uh, the lesson on the 12 disciples when he told us about all their different backgrounds and some information about each one of them and how they had different belief systems. You know, like some of them, like Simon the Zealot, was, was anti-Rome, whereas Matthew was pro-Rome. He actually worked for Rome. The key lesson of, or the key point of his lesson was that they were all different. They had different occupations, different beliefs, different backgrounds, but they all made themselves available. And that's the way we should be too. We're all different. We all have different interests, likes, you know, all those types of things, but we should all be available. All right. Now, this is a question for tonight because we're going to talk about the Apostle Paul tonight. There's 27 books in our New Testament. How many of those 27 did Paul write? We've covered this several times in class, so hopefully some folks remember that. And I'll, we'll do that answer in a second. All right, so let's see how everybody did. Uh, how many discipleship lessons are there? There's 16. Sherry said that, yeah. that uh, Brian Parrott was, I think, the first to answer that. There's our list of 16. Those are the 16 discipleship lessons, and you can tell by looking at them, it's, it's pretty comprehensive, and those lessons cover uh, all the, the foundation that everyone needs to know. So if you have not been through Discipleship 1, that's one of the reasons for this series is that we're encouraging people to just to plug in and, and just learn all these different foundational things about, about our faith. It's, uh, it's a very good course. I think I went, my discipleship one was in 1987, uh, so it's been a while. So, I'm, But I've taken a lot of people through it, so I, I stay fresh. So, next question. Who are those inner three? Peter, okay. James, and John. Who okay, got that, Sherry? Brian. Brian, Brian Parrott again. Yeah. Man, I just need to buy you a pack of candy bars. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Yeah, so the inner three were Peter, James, and John. Uh, Matthew 17.1 is one place where we see those guys uh, in action, those three. All of them died a violent death except John. Sherry, uh, who got that one? Uh, Probably Angie, Brian. Angie and Brian. Angie and Brian. Angie Fleshman? All right, Angie good Fleshman. deal. All right, candy bars. 
Yeah, you remember John, the disciple, he actually took uh, Jesus, you know, gave Mary to be his the caretaker of Mary, and, and then John ended up taking her up to Ephesus, and then time John ended up being banished to the Isle of Patmos and John wrote five books in our Bible including the book of Revelation so he lived to be a, a, around 90 I believe he, he lived to be wow. he died of a natural death next question was in that list every time the disciples are listed Peter is always listed first did anybody get that one All right, Angie got it. Peter. Peter. Simon Peter is always listed first. He was kind of the de facto leader of the twelve. Who's listed last? Anyone get that one? Judas is always listed last. Yeah, Brian did know that. Judas. All right. Brian got it again. Let's give him a pack. All right. How many books did Paul write? He wrote 14. Did anybody get that? Yes. Amita, Brian, and Oh, Amita did. All right. Yeah, Amita was there for our, uh, through the Bible study. Yeah, and uh, we include Hebrews here at HBF. Uh, oh, Pastor Brian said that he likes candy bars too. Oh, Pastor Brian's on? Uh-oh, now I'm nervous. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, four, 14 books uh, we believe Paul wrote in the New Testament. There's a little bit of controversy or, or discussion on Hebrews because the author isn't actually named, but... A uh, lot of, lot of, uh, uh, there's a good case it was Paul, and we believe it was. So, which that's who we're going to talk about tonight. Paul. Let me flip back over. Paul. Um, I got to get my sheets, sheets over here. All right. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Paul. I'll put it back on me for a little bit. Um, Paul. Actually, think about the greatest Christian that you know. You know, uh, we all know some great, great men of God that we've had the opportunity to be around. Uh, you know, Pastor Steve, for me, I've worked with Steve for the last six, seven, I don't know how many years. Uh, great mentor to me, one of the great Christian men that I like to follow. And Brian, Pastor Brian, Randy, all of our pastors are great. And I've known a lot of great men over the years. Um, but if you think about the greatest Christian you know, they would still say that. Paul was just on a different level than than the rest of us. Um, he was a teacher, an evangelist, a discipler. He, dis- he he was discipled, then he turned around and, and did more discipling. Um, just just a great person. And to study Paul, um, it's really I mean, especially in an hour, we can't do a comprehensive study of Paul. But what I tried to do was look at Paul from a kind of a discipleship perspective and what can I learn and what what qualities did Paul have that I can build into my life to help me be more like him. And and there is a saying that you know a lot of people want to be used like Paul was. But the thing with Paul is we have to be transformed like Paul was before we can be used like Paul was. We can't just go out and start churches and do things. We have to have to be transformed first, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. So that's why I did my, my subtitle, Discipleship Lessons from the Life of Paul, How to Disciple Like a Boss. I just always think that's cool. Uh, I, I get a lot of training material at work that, that always says that, but... Um, so yeah, like so. So like I say, Paul. 
was a great man. And we don't, this is one thing I think is cool with Paul. He has kind of discipled all of us. We read his books that you know the Lord inspired him to write. We've memorized the scripture. He's taught me the mysteries, and he's taught me all these cool things that I know, you know, through the Lord's inspiring him. But he did it in a way that uh, he kind of hid himself and pointed us to Christ. So we don't really see Paul, and we don't really think about us being discipled by Paul because he, he really, he, it's like he took our hand and put it in Christ's hand and introduced us to Christ and made himself uh, obscure and not really part of that process. But So I think that's kind of a cool thing with Paul. Uh, but anyway, so we're going to talk about Paul today. Uh, he's, he's just an awesome role model for us. I don't know if, hopefully you guys heard Brian this morning, but Brian really touched on a lot of the topics that we're going to touch on tonight about Paul and just how great of a guy he was. So let's, and what time is it? It's 6.20. I'm going to kick this off. So how to disciple like a boss. I was going to start real quick. Now, this is the, the little table that we see at HBF, the, the stages of discipleship. When someone comes to know the Lord, we kind of want to see these this growth pattern here. How they, they get discipled, they start participating in ministries and become a leader and, and learn a world vision and all that. Now, the pastors here didn't just cook up that idea. That, I, that is actually from the life of Paul. Paul models that. Um, that those stages of growth because Paul you know he had a time when he repented and we'll talk about that in a second and he he became enlightened and he participated in ministry and next thing you know he's leading ministry and he's taking the missions trips and he has the world vision so the seven stages of discipleship really come from the life of Paul because we have since we have so much information about him we're able to to put this little table together. So, I think that's kind of cool. So, who is this guy, Paul? Little fact sheet I put together, and you know, a lot of there's a lot of information out about Paul, and and I suspect a lot of us here in our journey class already know a lot about Paul. So this this will hopefully be some review, but I just wanted to kind of put it out there. He was born in Tarsus, which is in southern Italy. Now you guys know me, I gotta have a map. So here's a map of the Mediterranean, Greece, Turkey, North Africa area. You can see Jerusalem, hopefully this will show up on your phones okay, but Jerusalem is in kind of that lower right corner. That's that's Israel there, it's all shaded orange. The orange shading represents the Roman Empire at the time of you know, during Paul's time. So that's how large the Roman Empire was. It was huge. And you can see Tarsus there, I highlighted yellow. It's a city in southern Turkey, a little bit north of Jerusalem. And I wanted to even zoom in a little more. This is kind of a blow up of, of Turkey. I wish I had a pointer. If we was uh, together in class, I'd be I'd be slinging my pointer around, but Tarsus is there on the coast. It's actually a famous city. Cleopatra spent a lot of time there. You know, she was, uh, you know, one of the part of the Roman entourage there. But 
They were big. They were a city that made a lot of tents. I read an article that there was a lot of goats there, and the goats had long hair, and it was uh, it was good goat hair for making tents. So that's how maybe that's why Paul was a good tent maker because there a lot of tent makers were in Tarsus. Um, now notice on the left side of the map you see Corinth and Thessalonica and Philippi and then Ephesus. So this is kind of the the area where Paul did his missionary journeys. So you can kind of see where Tarsus is over there. So this is kind of a familiar area for Paul. So he, this is kind of his stomping ground. So that's where Paul was from. Now he lived around 5 AD. He was a little younger than Jesus. Uh, he was, I don't know, they think around 5 or so AD. So he, you know, Jesus would have been 5 when, whenever Paul was born. And he lived to around uh, 68 AD. So Paul was probably in his 60s when he was, was killed. He was the son of a Pharisee. You know, the Pharisees were the religious leaders in Israel. His dad was one, so Paul was one as well. Paul was educated by a guy named Gamaliel, Dr. Gamaliel. He was a doctor of the law. He was like a Pharisee doctor. He knew all about the law. And he's the one that actually schooled Paul. Paul was born in Tarsus, but he was he grew up in Jerusalem at this uh, school run by Gamaliel. So he was familiar with Jerusalem as well. He was a tent maker. I mentioned that. Which is kind of ironic because um, Paul made tents. Let me flip it back over here. His occupation was a tent maker. And you could actually do a whole study on that, that he incorporated his occupation in with his ministry. He he made tents to help pay for his, his ministry which is kind of the way we should look at our jobs, is our jobs is just a means to get funding to do our ministry. You know, All of the resources that we have should be dedicated to the ministry. Your house should be part of your ministry. Your vehicles, you, know, you should use them in the ministry. Paul was a tent maker, and he used that for his ministry. Another interesting thing about that is, what is a tent? A tent is a temporary dwelling. So Paul made these temporary dwellings physically, but then in the ministry he helps us build our our bodies are also temporary dwellings. So Paul physically built made tents, but he also worked with people on our tents to help help us develop to where we can take on a house someday with Jesus. Uh, it's kind of a neat tie in there. I don't have time to get into all of it, but. He was a physical tent maker, and he was also a spiritual tent maker. So I think that's pretty cool. Jim, do you know how old he was when he was saved? Uh, yeah, he was around 30. I think that's my next bullet here. Let me fly over. Yeah, someone asked about how old he was when he was saved. Uh, you know, Jesus uh, was crucified around 33 A.D., which would have put Paul in the younger 30s, but then it was several years later. So we think he was around 30 when Paul met the Lord. Uh, then again, he wrote 14 of the 27 books, and he was beheaded by the emperor Nero around 68 A.D. So that's who Paul was. Now, there's something else that's, that I, I've always thought was kind of neat. There were a lot of historians around uh, back in the first century. You've probably heard of Josephus. Uh, there was Clement of Rome. There was a lot of guys writing a lot of books from a historical perspective. And one of the books 
It's called the Acts of Paul, and this is this is not a it's not inspired scripture. It's basically a history book. But in this book, he gives a description of Paul, and there are several historians that that do give descriptions of Paul, and they all kind of match. So we can you know we can be fairly sure this is what Paul looked like. He's talking about the guy. You know, Titus had described him, and he saw Paul coming, a man of little stature, thin-haired upon the head, crooked in the legs, of good state of body, he was in good shape, with eyebrows joining, so he may, he may have had a unibrow, but that's okay. He had a face of an angel that just, that's just shown, uh, so I can kind of, kind of uh, relate to that. All right, so let's move on here. So now here's here's seven things I pulled out of Paul's life. I was just going to kind of touch on here. The he had a genuine transformation, biblical discipleship. He had a mission statement. Uh, he wasn't he didn't have a perfect past, overflowing cup. We're going to talk about all these mentors, mentees, and peers, and the old Pax Romana. It's one of my favorite things about the life of Paul. We'll talk about that. So, genuine transformation. Paul definitely had a, a genuine transformation, and we have a very good record of that in Acts chapter 9. So I'm hoping uh, you have your Bibles with you. I'm actually going to... I'm going to actually... Let's go to Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read... Uh, I'm going to start in verse 1. We're going to kind of check out Paul's uh, testimony here. Now remember, Luke wrote Acts. So Luke is recounting the story. He probably heard this from Paul. Um, so now this is Luke's you know, accounting of it. So we're going to start in Acts 9, verse 1. And Saul, that was, remember that was Paul's other name. Actually, let me just mention that real quick. Steve, Steve touched on this last week. Uh, it was very common in the first century that, that the Jewish men had... A Roman name as well, or a Greek name. Uh, most of the disciples had two names. Um, Paul is no different. You know, his Jewish parents named him Saul after the first king of Israel, but he also had a, a Roman name of Paul. And um, you know, it's, it's sometimes you hear that God changed his name. He did, but to be technically accurate, he had two names, like most of these people did. But he does go from Saul to Paul. So anyway, that's a side note. Let's uh, look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So he's, he's breathing out threatenings. He's, he does not like these uh, disciples. Verse 2. And he desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. All right, look at that phrase, this way. You might put a box around that or something. You may have heard, but that's what they called the, the new believers uh, when they first started you know, getting together. They called it this way. That, that phrase shows up several times in the book of Acts. So Paul is persecuting this way. And he's going to go down to Damascus and he's going to bring him to Jerusalem. So now look at verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? 
So Jesus finds Saul, and that's kind of a neat thing. And he said, Saul says, Who art thou, Lord? And notice the L's capitalized. You gotta pay attention to everything in our Bibles. He acknowledges this is this is the Lord Jesus. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You can't you can't resist. You know, I'm going to give you an offer you can't refuse kind of thing. Verse 6. And he trembled, and he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now verse 7 is uh, interesting. And the men which journeyed with Paul, the, you know, Paul's posse, his entourage, they stood speechless. They heard a voice, but see, they didn't see anything. They just heard something. Uh, there's another account where Paul's given this testimony where they, they heard the clap of thunder. That's, that's kind of interesting. So they heard thunder, which is the voice of God. All right, so verse 8. Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand, and they brought him unto Damascus, which is where he was headed. And he was there for three days without sight, and neither did he eat or drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. This is a good guy. And actually, Paul may have had a letter to arrest Ananias, because Ananias was, was in the synagogue down there. All right, so uh, verse 10, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. He's available too. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight. That's the name of the street. And inquire in the house of Judas for one, some guy named Judas. So one, there, there's a guy named Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Which is cool because the first thing we see Saul doing after he's saved is praying. So that's, that's neat. And verse 12. And he hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So Saul has the same vision. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard of, by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. He's a bad man. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. So Ananias probably realizes Paul has letters in his hand to arrest Ananias. So, of course, he's, he's afraid. Um, and actually, Brian did a great job whenever he went through all of this. Uh, I mean, much better than I do, of course. But anyway, so verse 15. But the Lord said unto him, unto Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my, for my name's sake. So he's assuring Ananias, uh, he, he's on our team now. So Ananias went his way, and he entered into the house of Judas, and, and he put his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, capital B, he's a Brother Saul now. Um, <coughs> the Lord, even Jesus, had appeared unto thee in the way, as thou camest, he sent me, that thou might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, as it had been scales, and he received his sight, he arose and he was baptized and then he received me. He was strengthened and then Saul was uh, several days hanging out in Damascus with disciples. 
So here's the transformation. Let me let me flip back over to my screen here and go through some of these points. Um, Paul, like a lot of us, he had heard the gospel. He knew all. He knew who Jesus was. He had heard the gospel, but he rejected it. But there comes a point uh, when Jesus makes Himself very real to us, where it's. Uh, it's, it's like when we meet Jesus, and you know, I had that point back in, in eighty seven or eighty three. Uh, hopefully, everybody on this this uh, video session has met Jesus. We all met him on a road, and I, I mentioned his first response to his conversion was his prayer. He was praying, and the next he was obedient, baptism and and discipleship, and he had a new Lord and new life. Paul goes through. And this is, I didn't really put it on, on the slide here, but Paul goes through two transformations, and this is, this is what's important for us. He had the first transformation when he met the Lord and he got saved, and uh, hopefully we all have that. But the second transformation is what us Christians call sanctification. It's where we, we uh, are obedient to the Lord and we separate ourselves from the world to do his work. And that transformation doesn't always happen or doesn't happen quickly in some believers. Uh, but with Paul, it did. He immediately got up once he got his sight back and, uh, and, and started his separation. So he really went through two transformations. And those are the same two that we also need to go through. It's, it's, it's of course, awesome to get saved, but we need to, to do that second transformation and allow him to, to give us the new life to transform us, to, to sanctify us, to separate us from the world, give us our new mission. And we're going to talk about some of this in a second. So hopefully everyone on the call here has met the Lord and is, is somewhere on that journey of separating, transforming. Second one, biblical discipleship. All right. This is a, gets a little deep. I didn't want to get too deep. But before Paul runs out and starts preaching, uh, he actually gets he actually gets discipled first, and uh, the guy has to put together a couple different verses here. If you look at Acts nineteen uh, nine nineteen, we just finished reading nine nineteen when he arose and he, he had some meat and he hung out with the disciples in Damascus. Well, verse twenty, Acts nine twenty, he's out preaching. For three years in Damascus, something happened between verses 19 and 20, and that's what I put on this slide here. And what happened was Galatians 1:17. There are three or four places. Uh, actually, I didn't count them, but I think there's at least three or four places where Paul gives his testimony, uh, and, and they're slightly different in each one because he's highlighting different things. But in Galatians 1:17. He actually mentions that he he leaves Damascus and goes to Arabia. Well, what's in Arabia? Mount Sinai. So there's a good indication that between verses 19 and 20 of Acts 9, Paul actually goes down to Mount Sinai for 40 days and meets with the Lord for an intense 40-day discipleship class. And I listed here, Moses did it. Elijah did it, and Jesus did it. That's the first thing these guys did uh, after their conversion is they got alone with God and they got they got schooled. That's 
you know, remember at, at Mount Sinai is where Moses uh, seen the tabernacle. God showed him the tabernacle. God showed Moses the law and and all the other great things. Well, so now here we have Paul going to Mount Sinai and God showing him the mysteries, all the dispensations, all the cool things about the church age, uh, the indwelling Holy Spirit, and all the good things that Paul is preaching about for the rest of the Bible. He had to first have that intensive 40-day discipleship class with the Lord down at Mount Sinai. So I think that's pretty cool. So you got to... The guy has to put a few different verses together to pull that out. Um, so, then I put the question at the bottom. Do we set aside time to be alone with God and His Word? I mean, it's so important um, that we also have that quality time with Him, whether it's in the morning or whenever, just to really uh, learn about about Him and, and actually let Him learn teach us what we should be out preaching. So, anyway, there's that one. I got to cook. I'm running behind. Mission statement. Now, this is another place in Acts 26 where Paul's giving his testimony, and this time he's standing for uh, before King Agrippa. Uh, this is a famous passage in Acts 26. We don't have time to go through a lot of it, but but he does give his testimony again, and what he what he kind of highlights uh, is the marching orders that the Lord gives him. So let's, uh, I, mean, I just put the slides on this one. So in Acts 26, 15, Paul says, and I said, he's, he's recounting the story, and I said, who art thou, Lord? And then he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Now, if you have a Bible that shows the words of Jesus in red, these words would be red because Paul is actually saying what Jesus said. So these are Jesus' words. I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise, stand on my feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of those things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. So this is kind of cool. This is what Jesus did for us. He delivered us from our people, but then he turns around and he sends us to those same people. You know, we've heard Paul is the, the apostle to the Gentiles. This is one of the passages where we know that because Jesus says, I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And he's sending them uh, to open their eyes and to turn them from the darkness to light and from the power of Satan and of God that they may receive forgiveness of sins. These are Paul's marching orders. This is what you're going to tell them. And the inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that's in me. And Paul says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. He did it. So I, I think of my own life. I have not been fully obedient to that. And God has told all of us the same thing. You need to go out to your own people and tell them about me and their forgiveness. And Paul was not disobedient. Jim sometimes is. And hopefully, uh, you know, you guys are, are better about it than I am. But. Uh, this really lines up with the D1 lesson number 7, the will of God. And this is a really key teaching uh, that with Paul and for us too, God has a will for our life and he has a plan for our life. There, there's two different things. And then this, the discipleship guide brings these out. God's will for all of us is that we're conformed to, to his son, that, that, that we grow in Christ and we 
become like a little Christ. Uh, his plan, however, is unique and different for all of us. Uh, God's plan for me is different than Steve or is different than Brian Parrott or Kevin Frost or any, any of the other guys that, that I hang with. We all have a different plan. The key thing here that Paul kind of models for us is God doesn't really give you the plan until you're obedient to the will first. So, um, you know, it's the, the discipleship lesson talks about... Um, be obedient to what you know to be obedient to and then as you're obedient to that God will give you more revelation and he'll kind of fill in the gaps on the plan um, I had some more on some soldier stuff I'm going to skip that so anyway so have you discovered God's plan for your life so hopefully everyone on the call here knows that the God wants them to be like Christ but he also wants them to do something specific you know maybe a certain ministry or or just do something specific because he has something for all of us to do just like he had for Paul alright next one not a perfect past alright this is one that, that we all have trouble with uh, I know I do people that I've worked with do we all have a hard time with our past now think about Paul I mean, he killed and imprisoned believers. And he actually gives us a good testimony of that in Acts 22.3. This is another place where he's talking about himself. He says, I'm, I'm a man, which I was born a Jew in Tarsus, in Cilicia, brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and he taught according to the law, and he was zealous toward God as, as you are. He's talking to Jews. And I persecuted this way. See, that's that way again I mentioned. Unto death binding and delivering into prisons both men and women so Paul and he's talking about how people they're witnesses of that so Paul I'm sure Paul regretted his past and I regret things in my past things I did in high school things that I'm ashamed of but Paul was able to get past it and, and he really writes about that in Philippians 3.12 and I believe I have that here uh, where Paul's saying that He's talking about how he's attaining, trying to attain the image of Christ. And I like this verse. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He hasn't reached, you know, full conformity, I guess. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul was able to successfully uh, get past his past. And all through the, all of Paul's writing, he's encouraging us that God loves you. He forgives us. He forgives you. He forgives me. He wants us to move past our past. Don't be discouraged by our mistakes. Uh, and it actually, it can be used for good. Let me flip back over. I think of guys like like Pat Lee and, and some of my life issues friends that have had a, a a past. They have a past that now that they're over it, they don't they don't look back on it. But they use their past to help others uh, in their growth. You know, like like I mentioned, you know, Pat's able to hold the hand of Christ and then grab someone else's hand and, and place it in it because Pat has been there. He knows what they're going through. So that's one reason Pat is so effective with with life issues so uh, so not a perfect past is not a bad thing don't be discouraged allow God to transform you alright another thing about Paul his cup overfloweth 
Romans 15, 13. Paul obviously had a very close relationship with the Lord. And uh, we, you know, we see a glimpse of that in all through his writing. You know, his, the first book Paul wrote was Galatians, we believe, and then the last one was 2 Timothy. So between Galatians and 2 Timothy, you can see Paul just growing in, in the Lord and, and in strength and, and in his relationship with Jesus. Um, you know, he's always calling himself the chief sinner. He's a prisoner to the gospel. And, and you know, Galatians 2.20 is one of my favorite verses that he was crucified with Christ. But um, the thing with this point here is as disciples, and hopefully, hopefully, let me flip back over. Hopefully everybody here has, has discipled or you're willing to disciple or, or you, you probably are. You may not even know it, but you can't disciple other people unless your own cup is full first. We disciple and mentor people from the overflow of our lives. So, so if, if you want to be used like Paul, you should fill your own cup first, be full of his hope and love and, and grace, and know the Lord very well to where you're able to take someone else's hand and put it in Jesus' hand. You know, you're not all like your cup's half empty and you're got problems and this and that. If that if that makes sense. So that's kind of the point I was going for on this. Is is allowing God to fill your own cup so that you can help fill others. Because you can't you can't fill someone else's if you're not full. And this is the verse that I call out about that when Paul says that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. So, kind of a no-brainer. We're only able to give from the overflow of our own relationship. All right, next point. Mentors, mentees, and peers. And, and Brian, this morning, I don't know if you caught Brian. Brian nailed this one. It was really good this morning. Uh, where he talked about how the importance of relationships in Paul's life um, Paul had three types of relationships that we can kind of see in the book of, of Acts and in all of Paul's writing. He had mentors, guys like Barnabas and probably Luke that that helped school and disciple Paul on, on the ways of this way. Uh, it, and in our lives, it's believers that are more spiritually mature than yourself to show you the ropes. So I think of myself, I look at Steve. Pastor Steve is, is my mentor. I you know, I've been following him for years. I learned all kinds of stuff from Steve. Uh, I love ministering with him, and uh, I look at him as my mentor. Now, mentees, on the other hand, would be someone that you're you're the mentor of. So Timothy was Paul's mentee. Um, it's younger people that are spiritually younger than yourself that you can invest yourself into, and I, I think our children are also our mentees. Uh, you know, I'd like to think Lauren has, has been my mentee, and you know, maybe Chris. Cause they they probably know more about the Bible than I do at this point. But uh, I've I've been down that road of life a lot longer than some of these younger people, so they're my mentees. And then last, peers. Paul had a lot of peers. Uh, Silas. Uh, this morning, Brian talked about Aristarchus. Um, uh, people that that Paul hung with. Similar interests, other tent makers perhaps, people that Paul liked, they were friends with, uh, ministry partners. And I have a lot of peers in my life. So the thing with Paul, we just want to encourage everyone, that we all need these relationships in our life. God uses these relationships to encourage us, 
there are so many times I'm discouraged and I, I need a word from Steve or I need a word from Lauren or Sherry or, or some of the Life Issues friends. You know, uh, Rich Hayes texts me verses every morning and I, you know, I always love getting those. So uh, God gave us friends and He gave us these relationships to help grow us and disciple us. So uh, if you have these, great. If you don't have them, then uh, go out and get some. So, all right, my last point here, the Pax Romana. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, it's really a cool concept. I, I don't have uh, as much time to go through it now. Uh, the Pax Romana. Pax Romana is Latin for the peace of Rome. There was kind of a miracle that happened around the time of Christ, which, you know, miracle, wink, wink. Actually, let me, let me cut back over here. Around, around okay, the four, we had the 400 years of silence when the Greek, the Greeks kind of ruled the area. Uh, but they had a limited uh, influence of the area. All right, well, the Romans came along probably around 100 years before Christ. And Roman rule and authority miraculously took over the whole region of the Mideast, the, the, the Syria, the Turkey, the Greece, all the way up to, to Europe, to, to, I mean, to uh, almost to the island of the, of the UK, Spain. North Africa, Egypt, all of those countries become under the rule of Rome, and and, and the iron hand of Rome instituted um, law and order. Uh, they had the peace of Rome. That whole area was all of a sudden like protected. You could sail the oceans without pirates everywhere. You could walk the Roman roads without bandits everywhere. Paul could write his letters to the churches and they would get delivered uh, you know, efficiently without being stolen. The peace of Rome, the Pax Romana, came at the exact right time, wink, wink, uh, that, it, that allowed the birth of the church and the spread of the gospel to happen. Uh, that's why they say it's a miracle because it's really never happened before or since. So because of the Pax Romana, Paul was able to do what he did. Um, let, me, let me flip it back over here. I got some. They, had they did have they had religious freedom. Uh, Brian even touched on it this morning. Um, the Romans tolerated the Jews. The Jewish men didn't have to serve in the Roman military, for example. The Jews could continue to meet in their synagogues as long as they promised to pray for the peace of Rome and pray for the emperor of Rome. So the, the Jewish folks had a lot of religious freedom and consequently the, the new the way had a lot of religious freedom. So because of the Pax Romana, Paul was able to, to do what he did uh, without too much difficulty. Most of Paul's difficulty came from the Jews, not from Rome. Rome in the book of Acts is usually the good guy, uh, but that's, that's another thing. But anyway, um, actually I had a picture of the Roman roads. Yeah, th this was the picture I showed earlier. The Roman Empire was all those countries there. Uh, they brought rule and law and order to all of those countries, and those were, of course, were the first countries that the gospel spread to. The blue are the Roman roads. You've probably heard the adage that all roads lead to Rome. 
And that was really started by the Roman Empire because what they did, actually I actually have a picture of the roads, they went all through the, the countryside and they built these really good roads of, of sand and gravel and rock uh, that, that went throughout the whole empire and all of them led to Rome and those roads even still exist today. The Roman roads, that's actually a Roman road that's, that's over in Europe. So here's where I tried to tie this in. Paul had the religious freedom that we also enjoy here in the United States. And he took advantage of it, just like this Facebook stuff. I mean, this is this is like a Pax Romana thing. We are taking advantage of the technology that's been given to us. So we don't want to miss the opportunities that God's given us, the, the Pax Americana, so to speak, to get the gospel out. Now, here's another thing that's cool. And I tried working on this yesterday, tying it together. I'm about out of time. But think of this. Paul walked the Roman roads freely with a message of peace, uh, delivering peace to the people. And he ended up writing most of our New Testament. He wrote the book of Romans. Us, we can take... And Paul did that physically. He walked physically walked the Roman roads with a message of peace. We are able to take people spiritually down the Roman road. We've all heard the Roman road to salvation. And bring them the message of peace. So the same way Paul did it physically, we can do it spiritually by walking the same Roman road. Now, I walked that Roman road in 83. Hopefully all of us have walked it. Paul laid that foundation. The Pax Romana was a key player of all that. And I just think that's a cool concept about the whole Pax Romana thing. Taking advantage of the, of the freedoms that we have. So, and then do we help others walk the Roman road? So that's kind of my seven there. Um, just kind of highlight real quick the genuine transformation if we want to be used like Paul we must be transformed like him first and you know he, he had the two transformations the salvation and then dedicating his life to, to, to ministry number two was the biblical discipleship he spent time with God immediately as soon as he got saved he plugged in and, he, and God showed him what he needed to know the mission statement you know, God has a will for your life and He has a plan for your life. Both of those things. Uh, you need to know what they are and, and you need to do it. Uh, I'm still working on mine and I think we all are. Uh, so, number four. Not a perfect past. Again, that's something that we all struggle with. We all struggle with our past. I was, I was, I was 19, I think, when I got saved. So, you know, I had done things I shouldn't have and things I'm ashamed of, and I still struggle with some of that. So we all struggle with things in our past. But Paul encourages us in Philippians to, to forget our past and and uh, look toward the, the calling of Christ. Overflowing cup, number five. Your love and hope can't spill out to others unless your own cup's full. So, you know, like I mentioned, we got to hold the Lord's hand and so we can... We need to have our cup full by holding the Lord's hand so we can help put other people's hand in His. So that's kind of the way I look at that. The mentors, mentees, and peers, discipleship's all about relationship. You know, actually Brian mentioned the Alan Shelby quote this morning that ministry runs on the rails of discipleship or of relationships. I thought that was pretty cool. Ministry runs on the rails of relationships. That's really what discipleship is, is relationships with people. God uses people in our life to encourage us. Then the old Pax Romana. Just like Paul took advantage of the freedoms he had, we should also take advantage of the freedoms that we have 
we should take people down the Roman road uh, the same way Paul did. And that's it for me. That's, that's my lesson on Paul. There's only seven. I mean, a guy could come up with hundreds of lessons about Paul. He's a rich character, so I only had an hour. So, all right, Sherry, what we got? Anything pressing come in? Dottie is feeling better. Oh, Dottie, good. good. Dottie's feeling better. That's and good. It's Brian Parrott's birthday. Brian Parrott's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's awesome. All right, so uh, I'm going to close out in prayer then. So you got a prayer list. I know we've been praying for a lot of folks in our class. Um, I know Pam's mom. I think she was in the ER last week, so hopefully she's doing better. And I'm going to continue to lift up the Vallejos. Dottie, it's awesome about Dottie that she's feeling better. I was able, I'm glad they're able to get that surgery. Uh, and Kevin and his family, Tom Merritt, I know Rich Hayes, I've been praying for him, and Natalie, uh, things like that. So, anyway, let me uh, go to the Lord in prayer and we can, we can wrap this thing up. Lord, I do thank you for today and thank you for the opportunity to teach your word and, and uh, thank you for your word, Lord, and for the faithfulness of Paul that uh, was obedient to your call and did. He obeyed you, Lord, and he, he fulfilled the plan you had in his life. And thank you for the words he left us. And, uh, Lord, continue to lift up all the members of our class. You know, Pam's family. I know her daughter was sick uh, recently, and now her mom. I just want to pray your hand be on them. Uh, and the Vallejos, continue to pray for healing in that family. And, and for Dottie, Lord, for healing. Pray that her recovery will be quick and painless and, and no complications. Kevin and his family and, and Tom Merritt and Rich, all the guys that, that I really care about, Lord, I just pray your hand of protection on them and their families and keep us all encouraged, Lord, amidst this COVID. Uh, just, I, I thank you for the for the, the faithfulness of the people that, that continue to watch and stay plugged in. And, and, Lord, I'm looking forward to seeing all of us again uh, on June 14th, sounds like. So thank you again, Lord, for all you do for us. And uh, ask that you uh, dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, see you guys later. Uh, hopefully next Sunday. So take it easy.